Hello and welcome to another episode of A Better Conversation. I'm Gus Simpson, sitting as always across the table from Aaron Couch. How's it going today, Aaron? Really good. That's great. And uh, we're uh, jumping back into Shaping Faith here today. Uh, We just had Easter Sunday this last week. Kind of been off track for the last couple weeks, but we're getting back into it, back into the series, back to normal. Uh, but first, Aaron, uh, I mean, we you shared some pretty big news recently to the church, but um, for podcast listeners who haven't heard yet, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that and kind of where, where things are heading for you this year? Sure. Yeah. So um, my wife and I have taken a job at a different church in Denver, Colorado, and um, so we will be moving um, in really in July, first part of July, but the um, the last Sunday that we will be here at Real Life on the Palouse is June the 9th, um, because after that, then we go two weeks to Israel, and then we're kind of the end of the month. And so mm-hmm. um, July, we're actually relocating, but June the 9th is when we're finalizing everything here. So that's big changes for us and mm-hmm. big changes for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've wrestled with what to do with that. I think probably what we're going to wind you know, up... I've offered to come on on Retainer as your podcast producer. Hey. Or, you know, I mean, a very, mm-hmm. very small yearly sum. <laughs> A small, small fee of uh, five, <laughs> the high five digits. Yeah, I'll, I'll gladly make this my full-time career. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, what we want to do is to be able to finish the podcast through this series on um, shaping faith and, mm-hmm. and tackling these, these concepts of spiritual maturity and discipline and how we integrate them. But um, that's, uh, that's probably where we will um, say goodbye to a better conversation and we'll have some kind of a secret awesome farewell thing. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. I don't want to get all technical. All right, so, so the end is near, but we're going to try to finish strong here and uh, hope to continue cranking out some good content for you. Uh, so this week's topic is identity. Uh, so Aaron, what is identity and why, why is it important? Why is it important enough to make it into this series and kind of a, as a core piece of our, our faith? Yeah. So we're in this section on healthy community and, and what, what are kind of the components of a healthy community? I believe that one of the fundamental purposes of relationship is to help us understand who we are. Like uh, interacting with other people, um, we run into all kinds of um, good things, bad things, you know, boundary pushing, uh, boundary reinforcing, all of that stuff gets kind of learned in relationship. And that's rooted and and emerges out of kind of who we are fundamentally, like at our deepest levels, who we are. And and understanding that intentionally helps us to to be better in knowing, number one, what are my expectations of relationship? But number two, how do I help you um, understand your expectations of relationship? And how then can we marry those in a a way that's healthy? Mm -hmm. So like the fundamental path, in my opinion, to maturity and wholeness is rooted in understanding and coming to terms with our identity. Because I think people, uh, a lot of people will sit and listen to this podcast and go, I don't really know what I am or who I am mm-hmm. really, like what's my purpose in life. I think we know it a lot more than we do. We just have never had it showed to us. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. So then how would you define identity then? Yeah. So identity is the truth of who God made me to be and how he has designed that to function in the world. And it's kind of rooted in a couple of things. Psalm 139 says that uh, God knit me together in my mother's womb. 
And Proverbs 16, 9 says that God marks the steps of a person. All a man's ways seem right to him, but it's God who marks his steps. And if, and I believe that these two things are linked, that God made you a thing. And then God created a path for you to walk in this world. And that, that's not a tightrope. It's, it's a general, I, I don't see God's will as a tightrope. I see God's will as a canyon that has some general boundaries. It has lots of paths weaving in and out of it. But within that canyon, um, these two things are linked. So whatever God made me to be, he creates a space for me to function in the world that will maximize what I am. It's almost like when I was conceived, God looked at the world and said, what does the world need? And then he went into my mother's womb and he made it. And so I become, we become a gift that God gave the world and living out the gift that God made us to be is key to Mm -hmm. purpose and meaning and hope and, you know, finding, finding good things in life. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So what's, uh, what's some kind of good, good frameworks to think within when you're looking at identity and how God made you and kind of, kind of parsing out what, you know, what that could be. Yeah. So I have a friend named John Samuel. He lives in Singapore and his dad was a missionary, uh, from India. So he's, he's East Indian. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was, started out his career in psychology as a guy who would do interviews for big corporations um, of potential hires. And, and so he would, they would hire him to come in and say, okay, this guy, we're, we're interviewing him for this position. We want you to assess him, see if he would be a good fit. So he went in and um, would do these interviews. And what he began to wonder in that process is, are there kind of patterns for people? Um, are there, is there a metric that's kind of, people are kind of fall within this general construct of some kind. And, um, one day he was reading Romans 12 and it hit him like these, these seven gifts that are listed in Romans 12, um, really are the kind of the crux of what he was finding in his gathering of data from all these different interviews that he was doing. And uh, one of the reasons why that matters is uh, not to demystify the wonder of humanity, but to help us be intentional in helping people set themselves up to win. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what what he noticed in Romans 12, first of all, is that when it talks about the gifts in Romans 12, it doesn't talk about spiritual gifts. So the, the spiritual gifts, like in 1 Corinthians 13, is pneumatikoi. That's the Greek word. That's this pneuma is the Greek word for spirit. So they're the pneumatikoi, the spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. These are charismata. They are creation gifts. And and that what that means is these are things that are true of you, whether you walk close to Jesus or not. And and so there's there's just generally things, if you look at people... Even if they're they don't have anything to do with God, there there are things that they're naturally bent toward, and and that is a thing. And so the his the seven ones for him, and he calls them the zones. He has a great book um, called Living in Your Zone. You could probably find it if you Google it. I don't think he sells it on Amazon, but um, Living in Your Zone is by John Samuels, a great book that's an introduction to this. But he has the seven zones: are the the prophet, the servant, the teacher, the encourager the steward, the leader, and the problem solver. And he says what what his experience is, is that everybody fits into one of these seven categories. He actually began, once he kind of started to unravel this, he started to do his his research work in, in a prison in Singapore. Here's the interesting thing that he found out. 
your zone, your makeup, your design will find expression. And, and what he found is that everybody that was there in prison landed there because of their design. Mm-hmm. Like it was tied to what God had made them to be this thing that God made for good because they didn't know it or understand it. It got the best of them because it will find expression and it's mm-hmm. often founds, finds expression in unhealthy ways. And he was like, for example, um, the servant, the zone two, the servant, he said there was multiple people who landed there. For example, uh, one guy... His, his mom was in a lot, she was in chronic pain. They couldn't afford medication. So he went to rob a store to get cash to buy the medication for his mom and got busted. Mm-hmm. Got busted for robbery. That, that's his, his need to meet the needs of another Mm-hmm. expressed in an unhealthy way. Yeah. <laughs> like that's identity. And and knowing that gives me two things. Number one, it gives me permission to know how to harness it properly. It also gives me permission to know when I should step outside of my design and function in another way mm-hmm. for the bettering of the community. There's all kinds of biblical examples of this. Um, <clears throat> one would be uh, Solomon. Solomon is absolutely his own five. He's a steward. He's absolutely a steward. He's he's somebody who just everything that he does, he makes money. And you, you, I know people like this. We all know people that are like this. Everything they do just turns to gold. And and it's like they have this compulsion to amass, organize, steward things. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem for Solomon is it got the best of him, and um, that led to some real problems. One of the things that we see with Moses, um, first of all, I would say his. His zone, if I was going to pick a, a zone for him, would be zone one, the prophet. But And because his legacy, where his fruit remains, we'll talk about that in just a second, but where his fruit remains is in the writing of the Torah. Like that's where he's, that's his thing. But one of the things that we see in Moses is he cannot help himself from, he can't keep himself from helping the underdog. He has to. So he kills the Egyptian slave driver. Um, that, that expression of him gets the best of him. And then... Um, he runs from Egypt to Midian and he can't help but drive the shepherds away who are picking on Jethro's daughters mm-hmm. who are trying to water their sheep. He can't help. Like it's, this is the story of his life. Mm-hmm. He just needs to figure out how to harness it for God's purpose. And so when God comes to him and says, you're going to lead my, my people, my, these slave beaten down people who it says in Exodus six, that they couldn't even accept Moses's teaching because they're cruel bondage. Um, He's the perfect candidate for yeah. that. Yeah, he's a perfect candidate from Every, God's everything's perspective. Everything's been leading up to that and and preparing him for that in a way. Right, and and he goes, well, I'm not a good candidate. And God's like, are you kidding me? You're the you're the perfect candidate for that. And the interesting thing is, his name means to draw out. Like, of course, of course, it means that. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob is another great example, and we'll talk more about uh, Jacob on Sunday. But he doesn't particularly have any real love loss for his design. He doesn't really like himself. Um, but he has this, you know, Jacob means heel grabber. The idea is uh, it's kind of gets morphed into deceiver or supplanter. But uh, the idea of it is that he is constantly working angles to to get himself ahead. Mm. And that's um, where we see him again and again and again. And God's like, man, if you can harness that well, I really use that to help tell my story in the world. Um, but we see this over and over and over again, who you are will find expression. I have people that come into my office all the time, um, especially young ladies who are trying to find relationships with guys who will genuinely love them. And um, 
they're like everywhere I go, I keep getting taken advantage of, right? Well, what we uncover in the process is, well, it's because they're zone two, they're a servant and, and they're hardwired to meet the needs of other people. Well, what that means is in this path that they're on, they're constantly being, um, having people who are needy put in front of them because that's what they're made for. Mm -hmm. But if they don't understand that, and they don't have good boundaries on it, then mm -hmm. what happens is they wind up getting taken advantage of over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so they wind up hating that thing about themselves that actually is the very thing that God wants to redeem. It's like that's the piece that that God wants to really take and maximize. And it's a good thing and it's awesome and they're a gift to the world, but they see it as a mistake. Yeah, that's good. I think it's, you know, it's, it's really easy to point out this kind of thing in other people to, to look at somebody, oh yeah, like obviously like you're, you're this, like, you know, but I think it's really hard to figure that out for yourself sometimes. Uh, so what, what do you think are some good ways to start unraveling this and, you know, figure out, okay, well, what's my identity? Then? Right, right. Well, uh, I'm going to preface everything I'm about to say with, you really can't understand it outside of community. And the reason is mm -hmm. because of what you just said, that it's uh, it's really easy to see it in other people. Mm -hmm. It's not so easy to see it in yourself. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was, I was, as we we're prepping for this, I was thinking back to a uh, home group I was in uh, about a month ago. And uh, I forget what led to this, but one of the exercises that our leader has to was she she asked all of us to go around the circle and talk about what we felt like one of our strengths were and it's so funny as we go around this the circle what everybody's saying i'm like wait no like it's it's so obviously this is your strength and they're like saying these other things and everyone's really uncomfortable with it and you know it's so obvious to me that it's so easy so much easier to see other people's strengths yeah. than it is your own and i think that's related to this absolutely it is and i i think it you we do our our community our group of friends um a disservice when we don't call out that good thing that good not just the not the things that we do wrong that good thing mm -hmm. that's in you that like man i saw this and it, i mean this translates into all relationships you think about it with your kids you think about it with your spouse you think about it with your coworkers that this thing that you did was good and that's worth noticing mm -hmm. because that's true of you mm -hmm. um and I've, we've talked about this in former episodes, like with conversations with my own kids, but that's true just in general. We need, because it is a lot easier to see it. But I would say just a strategy. Step one, Luke 15, um, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, my father's the vine dresser. And he says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll produce fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he's talking about producing fruit and and Jesus's desire is for us to bear fruit in our life. And then he says, um, I came that you might bear fruit and fruit that will remain. Hmm. Okay. So what he wants is not just for us to bear fruit, but us to bear fruit that stands the test of time. Um, and so the first question that we would need to ask ourselves is number one, are we connected to the vine? Are we spending time with Jesus? Cause the Holy spirit working in us reveals these things to us. But then where does my fruit remain? Like, where is it that I, I make a difference in people that's a lasting impression on others. Like we all do all kinds of things that are good for other people. And that's great. But where, where am I doing things that make a lasting, like if I was going to go, interview my friends. This would be a great thing for you to do. Interview your friends and say, where do I make a difference in your life? Mm -hmm. Which 
can be awkward. Uh, I want you to <laughs> hey, tell, tell me how I'm awesome. Yeah. I, enough of me talking about me. Why don't you, <laughs> why don't you talk about me? But just jot it down. Like, what do you, this is a, a great exercise that um, we're actually going to have the groups do this week for people that are, for groups that are struggling in this is um, to have everyone in the group write down kind of three things that you value mm-hmm. and then go around the room and share and then have the group validate back to you. Like, yeah, I see that value in you here. I see that mm-hmm. value in you here. Mm-hmm. Like just to, to validate that with outside, like, yep, that's accurate. Or, yeah. you know, I don't really see that, but I, but I do see this, you know, those kind of conversations really helps you distill down in that. And then, and then I would say, probably the biggest gift that you can give to yourself is to gather around yourself a group of friends that are willing to call out the good that we see in one another. Mm-hmm. This is hard for guys, especially because guys um, express love by tearing one another down. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works, yep. but we do that. Yep. Um, but that's kind of the, the, the thing that I would say is, uh, super valuable for you is to be a part of a group of people who are willing to see the good. Um, was it Jacques Wessel did a study of a hundred self-made millionaires and he was kind of trying to look at their, their, um, what made them successful. And he said of the hundred self-made millionaires that he interviewed, there was only one thing that they all had in common. And that was that they only saw the good in other people, hmm. which I think says a lot. Like yeah. we, I, we, we constantly are trying to critique what we see as wrong and it's just not helpful. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love, well, I, th- I think some of that comes from insecurity too. Like it's easier to feel better about yourself when you can see other people's shortcomings. Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. We make ourselves big by making other people small. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, uh, I loved, uh, the book culture code, um, the guy who is the CEO of Zappos, which is a, a shoe company. I just learned that last night. That's a shoe company. Mm-hmm. But he... Um, Great company, by the way, too. <laughs> I, I've never owned a pair of I Zappos. I had a really... Well, well no, they, 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 they resell. There's like a, like a Walmart of shoes, essentially. So, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, great. I had a really great customer service experience with them. Recently, well, I so. think the culture <laughs> of their company is noteworthy. Yeah. And so they were interviewing him about like, how is he, how does he see his role as the kind of the, the boss of all of this? Mm-hmm. And he said, I see our company as a greenhouse that's full of plants. And he said, I'm not a plant trying to be bigger than all the other plants. He said, I'm an architect. And my job is to create a space where all these plants can flourish and grow, Hmm. which I loved that because he sees his fundamental principle as like, my job is to make sure that the people that are working under me are growing and, and expand. And I was like, gosh, so good. That is so good. And so convicting to Mm -hmm. me, like, yep, there's some places where I do that. And then there's some places where I'm like, nah, I don't really do that very well. And so yeah. I had to read, you know, just do some thinking about that. Like what's the implication of that, but really good idea of like when I'm, when I'm in community, uh, my fundamental role is to help the people around me to grow and be better. Mm-hmm. And I do that by calling out the good, not by constantly calling out the bad. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to an understanding of identity which helps us have purpose and mission in the, in, in the world. Yeah. And that gives us a reason to get out of bed. Like if it, especially in America where, you know, say what you will, we have all, all this money, all this stuff. 
and we get out of bed miserable because it was supposed to bring us, you know, the promise was that it was going to deliver for us a thing and it hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's all kinds of other, like, I mean, I feel like we're, we're in a kind of a unique moment right now where there's, there's tons of tools out there for figuring out identity too. I mean, you just kind of gave some good guidelines, but I mean, there's, you know, all the different personality tests mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the Enneagram is, is really big, you know, yep, that's a good one. in Christian culture right now. And, and that for me, that's been really helpful for me and just kind of understanding, you know, how God made me and mm-hmm. how that relates with other people. Um, I feel like there's a trap you can fall into on the flip side of that, where you understand your identity too much and use it as an excuse for shortcomings. Right. Right. You know, it's like, Oh, well, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just such a three, you know, talking yeah. about Enneagram, you know, like, well, sorry, that's, that's what you get. Yeah. And that, the, we, when we use it, no as, offense to you, the Enneagram three, uh, <laughs> we, we use, uh, we use our, we can use our design as an excuse to not engage the world as mm-hmm. well. Like, well, that's just not really me. And I think, um, I remember when my dad preached a few weeks ago, one of the things that he said that was really good is we have a thing that we do because we love to do it and we're gifted to do it. And then we have the things that we do because we're called servants of the living God. Yeah. Uh, there's no, there's no excuses for that. Mm-hmm. Like we're called to serve. And so now that doesn't mean you have to do everything. It is okay to say no. We did talk about that in boundaries, yeah. but it's okay to understand your weaknesses. And, and Yeah. But the, but the truth is we're all called to be servants first and foremost. Um, and m- the vast majority of the time that's going to play out in our, in our design, yeah. in our identity. But, um, at the same time, um, it's not, it's not il- exclusive to that. Interestingly enough, you know, you talked about the Enneagram, uh, there's free versions of that online. Like mm-hmm. there's free versions of the strength finders. There's free versions of that, you know, mm-hmm. on online and they're all good. Um, I have a good friend, Mark Wilson, who does a thing called the Pathmaker, mm-hmm. and it has six different kind of like areas of design that it measures. And it's really good. Um, uh, you know, doing, doing a broad cross section, they all bring strengths to the table as far as what they offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I love John Samuel's stuff on the zones. It's been super impactful for me that he's not the only one, like he doesn't have the corner market on yeah, it, but it's yeah, really good. I, I, yeah. All of these are just approximations of something that really, I mean, you can only create so many boxes Yeah, and everyone's unique, but yeah, and it is helpful to understand kind it, of these general frameworks and how they work together. And, and I think it, it kind of gives you permission to, to, be be the person God created you to be. Yep, yep, and and it gives you a framework for a conversation with your with your people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, this thing said this about me. What do you think about that? Because I don't know what to do with it. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's totally <laughs> you. You know, those kind of really good, meaningful conversations. Yeah. All right. So as we wrap things up, any uh, final closing thoughts on identity? Yeah, I would say this. It's not a line to be crossed. Like your identity will be unfolding to you. It'll and it'll it'll especially if you're an adult and you're walking through, like I've had no exposure to anything like this. And then I start trying to figure that out. It's an unfolding layered onion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like an ogre. Ogres are like <laughs> onions. Uh, how about, how about parfait? <laughs> Everybody love parfait. Anyway, um, that's, uh, that's okay. Like you don't have to have it all solved. And what you'll discover is that as you press into that truth, of like, man, this showed this about me. And I'd never really thought about that, but I think it might be true. What you'll find is there's all kinds of fingers in your life that it splinters out into that you didn't realize. Mm -hmm. 
and that's okay. Like embrace that. And, oh, wow. I didn't realize that. And, and, oh, it got the best of me here or, oh man, it really excelled here or, you know, whatever. That's an unfolding reality. But the more that we can learn to live into the truth of who we are, the more that we can understand God's work in our life and we will see him at work in our life. And so it's really a powerful way to, to help as a community, to help one another figure out how to live in the fullest measure of what God made us to be. Good stuff. All right. Well, we'll be unpacking that even more in uh, church this weekend and then even more in our home groups to follow. So, uh, you know, if you're part of things in real life here, make sure you don't miss that. As always, uh, if you have any questions about that, you can uh, email Aaron at liferotp.com and uh, make sure you share this with a friend if you felt like you got something out of it. Until next time, have a great week.